Praise God. Thank you, Pastor Joe. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But today, we've already heard two powerful testimonies of faith, Joe's and Reese's, and now they are letting that faith multiply here at Trinity Life Church. And I am so grateful for the faith that we can have in, in our God. Now, Joy and I, uh, I know we don't look it, but we're grandparents. Well, she doesn't look it, I should say. Uh, and we have seven grandchildren. One of our grandchildren, his name is Nolan. And Nolan loves to put together Legos. I mean, to be at a table with all these Legos set out before him, he likes to put those together. Last Christmas, Joy and I, we knew that. We bought him Legos, and we got him one that had a Star Wars uh, theme on the front of it. Uh, it was an X-Wing Starfighter, for those of you that are Star Wars fans. All right. But we bought it in such a way that it said age four and plus because he was five at the time. And so it was appropriate for his size. And he was appreciative of that gift. But his other grandpa, Grandpa Rusty, sometime back had bought him a Legos and he gave it to Nolan. Nolan was so excited. It had the picture of a ship on it. And Nolan goes, puts it out on the table, got all of these pieces there. Everybody else is doing some other things. And his mom looks over after a few minutes and there's Nolan sitting at the table, his head in his hands and he's going like this. Grandpa Rusty didn't pay attention that on that box it says 12 plus. Nolan is five. And so he's got all of these pieces spread out before him, and he is overwhelmed. He is not able to figure out how to put that together. But I have a wonderful daughter-in-law, and Brooke, uh, his mom, goes, recognizes what's happened. She goes down, and she sits beside him and says, Hey, buddy, why don't we do this together? And over the next hour, hour and a half, mom and son sit there, and she helps him figure out what piece goes where. And next thing you know, that ship begins to take shape. How many of you know that sometimes life can be overwhelming? In fact, for all of us, we've all been overwhelmed by one thing, and that's sin. And there's no way we could put our brokenness back together again. But I'm thankful for a God who loves us so much that he'll come down and say to us in our sin, I'll tell you what, I'll put this part back together for you. And he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us. But I'm also convinced that even in other aspects of our life, when we feel overwhelmed, that we have a Father in heaven who wants us to call upon him and say, cast all your care upon me because I care for you. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. I want to ask you to open your Bibles and turn with me this morning to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. And as you're turning there, thank you, Pastor Joe and Missy, for allowing us to be here on this special Pastor Appreciation Day. And thank you, church for honoring your pastors here this morning. Thank you for expressing the heart of this congregation for them. Give honor to whom honor is due. And I was so blessed. Part of the reason I was blessed is because Joy and I, we love and appreciate your pastors and their family. We love them because they love Jesus. 
and they love you. And we have seen that heart express. We love them because they wear the same colors that we do. And we say, we say roll tide. In our houses, we say roll tide row and praise Jesus. Now, actually, we say praise Jesus first, second, third, and fourth. And then roll tide fits in way down the line. But uh, they are dear friends and colleagues in ministry. And we are grateful to be here with them today. Now, Numbers chapter 13, if you wouldn't mind standing one more time, I know you stood, but just for a brief moment for the reading of God's word, I'm going to start. I'll skip a few verses along the way uh, until we get down to verse 27, but stay with me because I'm going to look at other parts of it along the way. Numbers 13, verse 1, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. So Moses sends these 12 spies into what we know as the promised land with instruction to do what spies do best, spy. Spy out the land, all right? Here's what he wanted to know, beginning in verse 18. I want you to see what the land is like whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities that they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are forests there or not. Notice this statement. He says, be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. And the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. Well, you know what happened next. They, they spy out the land. They found grapes that were so big it took two men to carry one cluster. And after 40 days, they came back. And this is the report that they gave. Verse 27 says, then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey and this is its fruit. Father, I just pray that as we continue to look into your word today, that the result will be that faith will arise in our hearts as we hear your word. Even when we hear about some that didn't have faith, let us turn from them and learn from those who did have faith so that we can embrace their faith. And I bless this church and I bless this time in your word today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. You may be seated. From this point forward in the story, it progresses like, you know, sort of a good news, bad news. Uh, you may have heard of the uh, story of the two Chinese farmers. They met and the first one asked him, you know, How, how's life treating you? And he said, well, not too bad. But last week, one of my horses escaped. He said, oh, that's too bad, the first man said. Oh, no, actually, that's good, replied the second man, because he came back and he brought another horse with him. He said, oh, that's good. He said, well, it wasn't really too good because my son uh, got on that horse and we discovered he was a wild horse and the horse threw him off and he broke his leg. He said, oh, that's bad. He said, oh, no, not really. He said, because the warlord came by and he was going to constrict my, my son into his army, but because he had a broken leg, he, he didn't go into the army. And you get the gist of the story. You know, this one goes something like that. The spies came back 
with what starts out as this unanimous report that I read to you a moment ago. You know, what a land. You won't believe this land. It is beautiful. The fruit is amazing. Look at these grapes. They are as big as softballs. And everyone was excited. And, and, and one man turned to his wife and said, wow, this is great, Elizabeth. Let's pack up the tent. It's time to finally go to the promised land that we've heard about all these years. But not so fast. We got to get to the rest of the story. Or as Paul Harvey would say, page two. And in verse 30, uh, excuse me, verse 28, the next verse. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Oh, wow, Elizabeth, I'm, I was too quick on that. I don't think we ought to go into that promised land anymore. What about you? And the people are listening to the second half of this report. And, uh, and then a man of faith, a man of uncommon faith, a man by the name of Caleb speaks up. Verse 30. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses. And this is what he said. Let us go up at once. And take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. I like Caleb, a man of courage, a man of faith. He says, hey, if this is the land that God wants us to have, then this is the land that God is going to give us. Now, you would think by this point, after all the miracles that God had done, that these people would be ready to embrace the, the next stage of the journey. I mean, God had sent 10 plagues, had it gotten them out of the bondage of Egypt after 400 years. God had parted the Red Sea right before their eyes. God had given them manna in the wilderness to feed them. He had sent them quail so that they would have meat. When they came to a place called Merah, where the water was bitter, God turned the bitter water to sweet. When they came to another place where there was no water at all, uh, Moses struck the rock and water came out of the rock. God had given them a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. You would think by now that they would be people of faith, that even the pessimist would have been convinced. But no, there were still those that doubted the power of God. And from this point in the story, they're no longer unanimous. You've got the Israelite promised land committee, and, and they're split 10 to 2. You've got a majority report, and you've got a minority report. Here's the majority report picking up in verse number 31. But the men who had gone up with him, with Caleb, said this, We're not able to go up against this people. They're stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel, listen to this, a bad report of the land which they had spied out saying the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature then we saw the giants the descendants of Anak the NBA NFL players are there uh, and, and they're like giants and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in the land. I mean, here's the majority report. The majority report is the enemy is too big. The walls are too tall. The armor is too thick. And that guy turns, Elizabeth, we ain't going there. I don't think there's any way that I'm up for this kind of battle. 
In fact, the time that mentality had kicked in, you go to the next chapter, chapter 14. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel, verse 2, complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, if only we had died in the wilderness. Verse 3, why has the Lord brought us to this land by the, to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Notice that statement, should become victims. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Isn't it amazing how short memories can be sometimes? About how good God is. About his power, his promises. I mean, it hadn't been that long ago that they were complaining about being slaves in Egypt. Where their forefathers had been for 400 years. They had been complaining about having to make uh, brick without straw. And now they find themselves out in the wilderness, and they're afraid to go on. And you, you heard us, I mean, you did a moment ago. They said, maybe it'd be better for us to go back to Egypt. At least there we had three square meals a day and a roof over our heads. Do you see what they're doing? They are ready to give up their freedom and become slaves again. You know, that's what the enemy wants you to do. He wants to entice you, to discourage you, to get you to focus on circumstances of life because he wants you to give up your freedom in Christ and become slaves to the enemy of your soul all over again. Don't listen to him. Don't listen to that report. And this, this riot turns into a mutiny. They were ready to throw off the leadership of Moses and Aaron. But then these two men, two men of uncommon faith, the minority report, they speak up. Verse 6, but Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land. These two, they tore their clothes, and they spoke, and they said, the land we pass through to spy out is a good land. It's not a bad land. It's a good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Verse 9, only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them. The Lord is with us. Do not fear. And it's at this point that the children of Israel came to their senses. They repented of their lack of faith. They turned to Moses and said, we're sorry, Moses, that we doubted God and we're about to vote you out of the office. We know God is with us. We're behind you 100%. Let's go. Amen. Some of you said, well, that's the way it should have been, but that's not the way it was. Right. Verse 10. And all the congregation said, let's stone them. <laughs> Man, that didn't turn out too good right there. That, wasn't Pastor that, was, not, <laughs> that was not Pastor Appreciation Day. Uh, and then the glory of the Lord appeared. You know, unfortunately, this was a watershed moment for the children of Israel. They could go forward into the country that God had promised them and prepared for them. The one that God had promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God had promised it to Joseph and Moses and to them. But instead, they gave in to fear instead of faith. And there was a group of adults that would never see the promised land. But there were two guys. And those are the guys we're going to focus on today. Joshua and Caleb. And Joshua and Caleb would take the next generation into the promised land. They had the kind of faith that believed God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, 
the evidence of things not seen. Joshua and Caleb, they did not ignore the problems. They did not gloss over them, but they looked beyond the problems to the problem solver. They looked beyond the challenges to the one who could give them a solution. In fact, I'll just give you a little practical principle here. If you want to be successful wherever you are, whether you are in school or you're working for a business, be the one that not only identifies the problem, but also thinks about some potential solutions. Anybody can identify a problem. Anybody can tell the pastor that, you know, the bathroom's not working properly. Uh, but the guy that comes along says, you know, the bathroom wasn't working, but I fixed it. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's the guy I'm looking for. The guy that identifies the problem and takes care of the problem if he has the capacity to take care of it. I got an email from one of our, our folks this week at the district office. We're uh, planning an event for next Saturday. And she identified a problem. And she said, Pastor Greg, uh, during this particular part, we're going to have a number of people there that are uh, English speakers but we've got a few that their primary language is Spanish, and so we've got a problem. Here are two different possible ways we could solve that problem. And she gave me two potential solutions to the problem, and as a result, I said, you know, I like solution number two best. Let's go with that. She was elevated in my eyesight because she not only did what everybody can do, which is identify the problem, she thought far enough beyond the problem to give two potential solutions. So don't be a problem presenter. Be a potential problem solver. And that'll make you, I guarantee you'll be more valuable to the people you're working for. Now, in light of what we've read here in the scripture, I know I took a little detour there. Uh, I want to answer three questions this morning. What do you see? Who are you following? And where are you going? What do you see? Who are you following? And where are you going? Those are our questions. What do you see? Do you have eyes of fear or eyes of faith? If you saturate yourself by watching the cable news networks, then you're probably going to have eyes of fear. Now, do I watch the news? Yes, I do. Do I watch some cable news? Yes, I do. But I don't saturate myself there. I want to saturate myself in the Word of God because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Do you see the giants or do you see God? The majority report were those who had eyes of fear. They saw the problems instead of the problem solver. They saw the problems instead of listening to the promise. Verse 1 of chapter 13. The Lord spoke to Moses. And notice what the Lord said. Uh, and I don't know if that next verse is up there. If you look. Uh, the Lord said to them, this is the land which I am giving. The land that I am giving. God was already giving it to him. But by the time they come back in verse 28, it says, they said, nevertheless. They did not listen to the promise of God. They saw the problems. They saw the giants instead of the grapes. This land, they said, you know, it flows with milk and honey. And look at these grapes. But then their final, but look at the giants. Now notice this. They didn't say these guys are NBA size, NFL size, and, and we look pretty small standing beside them. No, much worse than that. 
These guys are NBA size, NFL size, and we look like grasshoppers. I mean, they so diminished themselves in the sight of the enemy that they couldn't even imagine the possibility of victory. Ladies and gentlemen, there are giants in our land today that are opposed to people of faith. There are giants in the land that want to destroy your family. Your pastor preached a great message last Sunday that I listened to this week about, about family. There are giants out there that are against our families and against our children. Giants called abuse. Giants called abandonment. Giants called divorce. There are giants in the land that want to enslave your soul. Giants of greed and giants of lust and giants of immorality and giants of, of addiction, Reese, of, of, of addiction to alcohol, addiction to drugs, addiction to gambling, addiction to, to pornography. Giants that, that can grab a hold of a person's life and, and destroy them and destroy their family. They are giants that want to capture our thinking that are being taught in our public schools and our universities that there is no God or, or that evolution is the way that we arrived and we're just a product of chance. There are politically correct giants out there and we can get our eyes so much upon the giants in the land that we start living in fear. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm not going to believe the majority. I'm going to believe that remnant of the minority who see through the eyes of faith. And Joshua and Caleb, they saw victory yes. instead of defeat. They made the statement, we are well able to overcome it. They saw the God who created the grapes <laughs> instead of the giants that lived in the land. They said, the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Amen. You see, people of uncommon faith believe that the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? The people who see through the eyes of faith believe that God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The people of faith are those who say, if God be for us, who can be against us? Who say greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world? Who say with great confidence, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. People of uncommon faith are people who hold on to the promises of God. They believe that when they look at the table and it appears overwhelming and we're thinking about putting our heads in our hand and shaking our head as if there's no way I'm going to be able to get this task done. They realize that God comes in and sits down and he says, son, and he says, daughter, I want you to know something. I've given you a promise. I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. And I want you to know that all things work together for good to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. 
And I want you to know I've made a promise that I will supply all your need according to my riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And I want you to know that my grace is sufficient for you. And I want you to know that if you'll draw close to me, I'll draw close to you. And if you'll resist the devil, he'll flee from you because you're close to me. You know, as a father and a grandfather, it's easy for me to see the giants in the land. When I think about my children, I think about my grandchildren, think about the world they're living in. As a a spiritual leader with the North Texas District Council of the Assemblies of God, I recognize many giants that that Reese and Madison and, and that generation is facing and the one coming behind them are facing. The avalanche of change that has occurred in our nation. And it would be easy to see through the eyes of fear instead of the eyes of faith. But I've been hanging out with some of those next generation young people recently. Hung out with a group of them on a missions trip just a few weeks ago. Next generation leaders. And I saw them pray over and prophesy to groups of people in two different foreign nations. And I saw a passion and a fire burning inside of them. I gathered last this Friday night uh, at the district office with a group of Chi Alpha leaders from all over the state of Texas who are serving on the secular universities. And I heard them talk about the revivals that are taking place there. I listened to one man who had come from Japan who never even heard that there is a person by the name of Jesus and he shows up on the University of Texas and he learns about Jesus and he gives his heart to Jesus and now he is called to be a missionary and he's one of our Chi Alpha leaders and I just heard the story of one person after another who had an encounter with Jesus on a secular campus where there's a lot of giants in the land but there are some giant killers that are going on to those campuses. There are some Davids and Joshuas and Caleb's that says that's where we need to go, where the giants are that are saying there is no God and we need to lift up the name of Jesus. And I want you to listen to this promise that God gave to Moses. As Moses was getting ready to leave the scene and entrust his legacy to Joshua and the next generation, Deuteronomy chapter 1 says, Joshua, the son of Nun who stands before you, This is God speaking to Moses. He shall go in there. In where? The land. Encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. Moreover, listen to this. Your little ones and your children, my children and my grandchildren, who you say will be victims. Remember, we heard that word earlier. They thought if we go into the land, our kids are going to be victims. But God says, Moses, you're thinking they're going to be victims Your people are saying they're going to be victimized. Here's what I want you to hear. I want you to hear today those who don't have knowledge of good and evil yet, those little ones in the preschool, they're going to go in there and I'm going to give it to them and they will possess it. My prayer is that the greatest revival that America has ever seen will be seen by my children and by my grandchildren and that they will not be victims, but they will be victors in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me move quickly. What do you see? Secondly, who are you following? Are you following the mob? Are you following Moses? 
the mob mentality back in chapter uh, 14. Verse 1, they got discouraged. They cried. They wept. Verse 2, that led them to be a critical spirit. They complained against Moses and Aaron. And then in verse 3, they started questioning God. Here's what happened. When you question God's leader before long, you're going to be questioning God himself. And that's where it led them. And they started questioning God's plan and God's care for his life. And then it resulted in a rebellious spirit. They're inside of their goal. They're inside of the promised land. And, and they start giving up. Friend, we're inside of the goal. <laughs> and, and this group, you've got eyes of faith. You see that building out there. You see this church impacting this community in a gray than you've ever, way you've ever before. Why? Because you've got the Moses mindset. The Moses mindset had been passed on to Joshua and had been passed on to Caleb. And Caleb says in verse 30 of chapter 13, let's go up at once and possess it. Let's don't wait. Let's give. Let's pray. Let's believe. Let's build that building. We are well able to overcome it. And in verse 9 of chapter 14, we read it earlier. Don't rebel against the Lord. They are our bread. Their protection has departed. Do not fear them. Why? The Lord is with us. I just returned from the nation of Moldova a number of years ago, and I won't be able to tell the whole story, but I got a phone call from Mom Lindsay at Christ for the Nations about a, a leader from Moldova that had just come out of communism after communism has fallen. And they were scholarshipping him to Christ for the Nations, wanted us to scholarship his daughters in our school. She said, I see the hand of God on this man. He's going to be a great leader. In Moldova. Fast forward a few years later. I'm in Moldova. They had, I'm sitting on the platform. There's three people sitting on that platform that I want to briefly tell you their story. There was one man on that platform, and understand all three of these men, they were living under the oppressive rule of communism. They had been told, they had been taught, there is no God. Communism will prevail. And yet, they saw through the eyes of faith. They believed there was a God. And a gen gentleman by the name of Victor Belhai, he kept preaching the word of God. He got arrested. He got sent to Siberia. He spent 25 years in prison in Siberia. But he did not give in to the eyes of fear. He kept his eyes of faith. When he got released from prison, even before communism fell, he goes back to Moldova and he starts walking from community to community and started planting some churches. And he ended up planting right at 40 Pentecostal spirit-filled churches under communism. One of those churches was planted in a, in a little community where a man named Victor Pavlovsky, the gentleman that came to Christ for the Nations that I have become very good friends with. He called me this week. And uh, in his, he was a builder under communism. He was very respected by the Communist Party. He was an architect. He was a builder. He built all kinds of buildings. But yet, his parents saw through the eyes of faith. And they said, our son is not going to be the victim of communism. He's going to be a victor because we're going to tell him about Jesus. Victor pointed to the school out to me where he went every day and he heard from the principal over and over again. If your parents are believers, they tell you there is a God. Don't believe them. They're lying. There is no God. If you're going to get ahead in life, you've got to believe like we believe. You've got to become a communist. But Victor, while communism was still in power, 
He used his skill to physically build a church building in his community of 5,000 people out in the middle of nowhere during communism. And two weeks ago, I preached in that building. There's another man by the name of Peter Borsch. Peter Borsch and his wife loved Jesus. They were in their 20s at the time. And they knew that they needed to get the word out because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so they began to network with a group of other 20 and 30 somethings. And they developed a very crude printing press that they would print inside a home of 120 square feet. They would have a group of people that would live there for three months, never walk out the door, but stay inside printing the word of God. And then Peter and his wife would take the Bibles that had been printed and they would drive literally hundreds of thousands of miles a year to take copies of God's word to people all over the nation of Russia. One of the times they were driving, the police pulled them over. They thought, oh no, we're caught. We're going to go to jail. Their son, who was in the back seat with their other two uh, siblings, told his other two, let's play like we're asleep. And so they laid down. And they're laying on top of where the Bibles were under the seat. And while the officer came up and shined his light in, had him open the trunk, and then he shined his light and it looks like the children were asleep. And he let them go. That became their method. Anytime they got stopped, the kids went to sleep in the back seat. And they were never caught. I'm sitting on a platform in 1996. Right beside me was a gentleman that had been in prison for 25 years. He was a hero to the people there. That church that had, he had planted 40 churches had now become 140 churches. Right next to him was Peter Borsch, the man that he and his wife had helped distribute Bibles all over the former Soviet Union while it was under communism. And Peter Borsch is in his late 70s now, and he is one of the uh, great patriarchs in Moldova. And right next to him was my good friend, Viktor Pavlovsky, the man that built that church under communism in his hometown. And now he is leading a church that has grown from 40 to 140 to 260 when I went there in 2006 to speak. And today they have 380 churches in Moldova, which is the poorest country in all of Europe. And yet they're rich in faith because they don't see through the eyes of fear. They see through the eyes of faith. I encourage you to have the Moses mindset. The Lord is with us. Trinity Life, I believe the Lord is with you today. Are you following the crowd? Are you following Jesus? Ultimately, that's the most important question of all. Are you following Jesus? Remember that? Some of you remember the song. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Final question. Where are you going? Are you going to go back into the wilderness and ultimately back to Egypt, back into the bondage of sin? Are you headed for the promised land? Is your ultimate destiny heaven itself? Have you made the decision that this world is not my home? I'm just a sojourner. I'm just passing through. God has something beyond this world for me. Jesus said, I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back and I'm going to receive you to myself. 
because where I am in heaven, there you shall be also. They were just looking for a spot of land in a place called Israel. We call Israel today over in the promised land. And I believe that God gave that land to his people. But I believe even more that God has an eternal home and eternal land for everyone that follows Jesus. Are you living for this world or are you living for Jesus? My grandson sat at that table and he was overwhelmed. Every one of us sit at this table of life and we're overwhelmed by something none of us can repair or build or put together. And that's a restored relationship with God. Doesn't matter whether you've got addicted to drugs or not. We were all addicted to sin. And we were all under bondage to sin. And sin separates us from God. The wages of sin is death. But I'm thankful today that I don't have to see through that lens that says I'm going to die a sinner. Because if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And if I come to this realization that, yes, there's sin in my heart and it's separated from me, God, and I've got my heads in my hand and I have no way that I can repair this relationship, God comes alongside. He said, I want you to know something. Before the foundation of the world, I chose you. I chose you and I want to adopt you into my family. And that's the reason I sent my son Jesus to die on the cross. So that this mess you've made of your life can be restored. And you can become a son, a daughter of mine. For as many as receive him, to them he gives the authority to be called the children of God. I'm adopted today. I have biological parents that raised me and cared for me in the physical realm, but I'm adopted by my Father in heaven who has embraced me into his family. And he is the one that has brought it to pass. All I did was receive his gift, his free gift. For by grace are you saved. Through faith. There's that word again. It's a gift of God. It's not of works. I have nothing to boast about in terms of what I did. I boast in what he did for me. If you're here this morning and you're honest and you look at where your life is today and there's a lot of broken pieces and your relationship with God is fractured because of sin, I've got good news you see through the eyes of faith and if you become a follower of Jesus today you can walk out of here forgiven you can walk out of here a son you can walk out of here a daughter of God I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment if you're sitting here this morning nobody else may know it but you know it God knows it you know that there's sin in your heart that's separating you from God. You haven't confessed that sin to him. 
you haven't responded to his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness. And that sin will overwhelm you because it does all of us. But there's something inside of your heart today that's beating fast right now. It's a recognition that God does love you, that Jesus did die for you, that you don't have to live in sin. You don't have to go back into the wilderness. You don't have to go back to Egypt. You can live in faith. You can live with confidence that you're a, a son, you're a daughter of God. And if you're here today, and you, you wanna walk out of here with confidence that your sin is forgiven and that you are in a right relationship with God and with his son Jesus, then I wanna pray for you. I wanna stand in faith with you today that what God by his Holy Spirit is speaking into your heart will become reality in your life. So if you're here this morning, say, Pastor Greg, I know that there's sin in my heart and my life separating me from God. But I believe God does love me. I believe Jesus died for me. And I want to ask him to forgive me of my sin. And I want to have total confidence in knowing that God is my Father. That Jesus is my Savior and my Lord. That my sins are forgiven. And that I am a son. That I'm a daughter of God. If you want that confidence, you want that assurance... You need that forgiveness from Jesus today. Would you just raise your hand right now? Lift it up. I want to pray for you this morning before we go. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. I see that hand. Anyone else this morning? Holy Spirit speaking to you. He's drawing you to Jesus. You maybe have heard my words. Thank you, sir. But it's really the Holy Spirit using those words to stir faith inside of you. Anyone else lift your hand with these that have raised theirs today? Say, that's me. I need forgiveness before I walk out of here today. Anyone else? I'm going to ask those of you that raised your hand, would you just do one of the things? We all did it earlier today. We came to the front and we prayed together. If you lifted your hand, would you just come and stand with me right here? I want us to pray together before we close this service. Just go ahead. Come on. Come on. Come on. Amen. 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 Maybe you didn't lift your hand a moment ago, but boy, there's something inside. Holy Spirit speaking to you. And I invite you, I encourage you to come and stand with us here today. We're, we're, we're going to stand together. <clears throat> you know, when, to me, this is the most important part of the service. And we always want people that respond to God's grace to realize they, they're not responding on their own by themselves. We're, we're right there celebrating with them, standing with them, because we all needed that. Pastor Joe talked about when that happened in his life. Reese talked about that when that happened in his life. Those of you that are standing here today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead in a prayer, and I'm going to invite you to pray that prayer with us. In fact, people all over the sanctuary are going to pray this prayer with us today as, because they're standing with you. And because they're reminding themselves of the need they had to pray this kind of prayer to respond to the wonderful love and grace of God. But even though you may be repeating my words, ultimately the needs must have come from your heart, be an expression of your faith. And so as we pray this together, let it be just that. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, I believe 
that you are God's son, that you came to this earth and you lived a sinless life. I confess to you that there's sin in my heart that separates me from God. And I confess that sin to you today. And I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of my sin. Thank you, Jesus, that you've heard that prayer. I open my heart to receive you as my Savior and my Lord. From this day forward, I'm going to read your word so I can know your will for my life. I'm going to worship with your family so I can grow in my faith. And I'm going to tell others what you've done in my life. And by your grace, I'm going to live a life of faith. In Jesus' name. Father, right now, I thank you for your son. I thank you, Father, for your daughter. I thank you, Father, for your grace that you have expressed this morning. I thank you, Lord God, that when we in faith respond to your word, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And Jesus, you are the word <laughs> and you are the one that we come to today, that today is a watershed moment, a moment of saying yes to you, a moment of embracing your truth, embracing your word. And I bless these sons and daughters of God today with growing faith, increasing faith. Lord, and that the plan and the purpose you have for them is to give them a hope and a future. And let them know, God, that you are their father. And that when they pray, they can call you father. Jesus, let them know that you are near unto them at all times. And Lord, we're believing for the release of the presence and the power of your Holy Spirit upon them, as Pastor Joe talked about, so that they are empowered for life and empowered for witness. We commit them into your care today. In Jesus' precious name. And I'm going to ask those that are here to just pray for them. If you guys continue to pray. And while they're doing that, maybe you're here today. You're a follower of Jesus. He's forgiven you of your sin. But right now, when you look at the table facing you, there's something there that's a little overwhelming. There's a challenge that you think, man, I, don't, I can't handle this on my own. Actually, God doesn't want us to handle any of them on our own. He said, cast all your care, the big cares and the little cares. But maybe today you got one of those big cares. Maybe you got one of those big challenges. One of those that just seems a little overwhelming. I believe that the Lord sent me here to remind you that you're not alone. First of all, you got the family of God. But most importantly, you got the father of all who wants to come alongside you put his arm around you, encourage you, speak faith into your heart. 
And if you're here today and you've got an overwhelming challenge that, that's facing you or facing your family, we've, we've got an overwhelming, a couple of overwhelming challenges facing us right now. We've got a, my, my daughter-in-law's sister's husband, late 30s, without a miracle, may not be here till Christmas. It's devastating. It's, it's just, it's beyond us. It's beyond April, her, her, his wife's capacity. She, she needs, we need God. And if you have a challenge right now, I want you to just stand up, wherever you are, just stand up. And we're gonna turn that over to the Lord today. We're gonna ask him to come. You know, the, the day that happened with my, my son, Nolan, most everybody else wasn't paying attention to it attention of his mom you know sometimes in life we, we sort of feel like other people miss it we're going through a challenge and maybe not a lot of other people recognize it or know it but I want you to know you've got the attention of your father in heaven his eye is on you you're the apple of his eye and whatever that challenge is he's there now what I'd like for the rest of us to do is this if God has ever blessed you and taken care of you and met a challenge for you I want you to just form a little circle around someone that's standing nearby you and I want us to remind them that God is with them and we are standing with them and I want you to lay hands on them and we're just going to bless them today in the name of Jesus with encouragement with fresh faith and with God's grace hallelujah hallelujah Lord Jesus today father some of your sons some of your daughters they they're here today and they're in the right place because this is your house they're in the right place because this is a place where the Word of God is proclaimed and preached. They're in the right place because this is a place that believes in Almighty God, that believes that God is able to, to heal, that believe that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or even think according to the power that works inside of us that ultimately brings you glory. Lord, I pray today that you will be glorified as your power is released, as some of these circumstances and situations that we, your children, are bringing to you today. Lord, I bring Jason to you today. Father God, in the natural, the doctors have done everything they could do. April has done all that she can do. Brooke has done all that she can do. Lord God, uh, as we look at that, it seems so overwhelming. But Lord, I thank you that you have promised to be with us, to never leave us, to never forsake us. And Father, I, I just commit Jason before your throne room of grace this day. And Lord, I pray for every person in this room, whatever that situation is, it may be a person, it may be a circumstance, it may be financial, it may be physical, it may be emotional, it may be a psychological challenge that a friend is facing. Lord, nothing is too hard for you. And I pray, oh God, that the word of the Lord that has been spoken here today would just be like a, 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 the beginning of what will erupt into a passionate flame of faith in the hearts of every one of your sons and daughters. And Lord, that we'll hear testimonies of miracles that Pastor spoke about earlier today that are being done for the glory of God and the lives 
of Trinity Life Church. And Lord, I bless this church and its future. Lord, as they walk together in faith to this land you've given them, to this building you're going to bless them with, to the impact and the influence they're going to have in this community. And I bless Pastor Joe and Missy, Lord Jesus, with continued steadfastness of faith, of encouragement, of confidence, and Lord, fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit upon them as they faithfully serve your kingdom. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah.